Welcome back, wrestling fans, to the Mount Rushmore Wrestling Podcast. We are here for episode 33, and we have kind of a double feature for you today. Uh, today will be mostly a, a review show. We will not have a second show this week. I'm traveling uh, the end of this week, but we'll be back next Monday for taping. Uh, we will be doing both our Double or Nothing review and our Night of Champions review in this episode. We will have a quick on this day from Sean, but uh, how are we doing, gentlemen? How was the weekend of wrestling? Uh, how do we feel after this weekend? It was great. I mean, seven seven plus hours of wrestling yesterday because, you know, <laughs> obviously we watched Night of Champions yesterday and then we had Double or Nothing. Kind of upset I haven't seen uh, Battleground yet. I heard it was a great show as well, but, mm-hmm. you know, seven plus hours of wrestling was fantastic. So it was a great weekend for wrestling overall. Yep, always a good time of all of us hanging out together watching some wrestling. So two great pay-per-views. Uh, we had some great you know, moments in that one, some not-so-good moments, but it was a great seven-plus hours of wrestling overall. I agree. I actually think it was a mixed bag uh, this weekend. We, in my opinion, we'll jump into it, but I think Double or Nothing was started off and had good moments, but was one of the weaker shows, I think, for a for AEW in the in the somewhat recent history. And Night of Champions, I think, was good. Nothing too crazy, <clears throat> great, but good. Um, but I still enjoyed, you know, getting to watch it all. And I'm halfway through the battleground card, um, and that uh, people were saying that was the best event of the weekend, comparing the three. So we'll have to see once we see it in totality. Um, Sean, let's go to you for the honest day and then we'll hop right into our predictions and we're going to kind of dive pretty deep in what the fallout is and we'll kind of go from there as Monday Night Raw approaches this evening and AEW this week and, uh, so for Dynamite this week and then for SmackDown on Friday. All right. So on this day, uh, today's May 29th, it was the first ever NXT TakeOver that debuted. It was located in Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida. And there were six matches on the card. First match was a pre-show match. Bailey defeated Sasha Banks. Second match, Adam Rose defeated Camacho after hitting him with the party foul to get the pinfall. Third match was the Ascension defeated El Loco and Kaliso to retain the NXT Tag Team Championship. Fourth match was Tyler Breeze defeated Sami Zayn to become the number one contender for the NXT Championship. Definitely. Um, next one was the co-main was Charlotte defeated Natalia oh, in a tournament match. final to I win the vacant NXT match. Women's Championship. <laughs> yep. And then the main event, um, Adrian Neville defeated Tyson Kidd to retain mm. the NXT Championship after hitting him with the red arrow and getting the three Tyson count. Kidd. So pretty, pretty solid show right there. TJ. TJ, yeah. TJ. As Natty calls him, TJ. <laughs> TJ in the title match. Not a bad card, though. Not a bad card. Uh, that was definitely early days. Yeah, bastard with the uh, bastard the Adrian Neville. Then. You got Bailey and Sasha on the pre-show. That's when you know it's early days. Yeah. Um, let's hop into it. So we're gonna go to Night of Champions first. Oh, before we get into it, congratulations to myself. I did win Night of Champions, and Sean with the perfect card for double or nothing. Uh, so I think that brings our totals. I think I have three wins. I think it's three to two to two. I think it's three to two to two. Yep. Uh, so I'm one up uh, going into um, just seemingly more and more prediction shows in the future. 
we have another few months of just uh, the amount of shows that it's going to happen is absurd. So it's nice. Uh, the summer months always seem to be busier than than regular times for uh, wrestling. Um, but let's get into it. So another champions from Saudi Arabia. Seven matches on the card. Uh, what we'll do is we'll kind of go through each match. We're going to go in order on how they were produced on the card. Talk about them. I'll give you the the times. We'll talk about Fallout, what this means. Uh, first match on the card, Seth freaking Rollins defeating AJ Styles. Uh, AJ Styles, of course, is in the first match when he's on the card uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship. 20 minutes, 40 seconds. So they did give these guys some time. Uh, you know, we say this a lot. I think with these two guys, it's really hard to produce a bad match. And I think we mentioned this. Abyss did produce this match. I think that was correct. Uh, so, you know, he's produced some good matches. He did produce the triple threat IC title at, at Mania. And I don't know what specific ones he does, but he did the Rollins and AJ match. And this match was very good. And a great open to the show, obviously. A little bit predictable, I think, with Rollins winning. But uh, did not matter just the same. I, I thought Rollins did really well. Um, and the chemistry is there. I think with these two guys, they could go away for a while and, and still have great matches with each other, I think, um, in amongst this. And I think what's interesting is the fallout from this match is uh, we don't know what is going to be challenging Seth Rollins at this point. So I'll let these guys kind of talk about a little bit more about the match. But I find it interesting, and I'll pose the question on who we're thinking that Rollins comes out of here feuding with. Yeah, I think it was a really good match. Um, I was a little disappointed it didn't main event. Obviously, we saw why it didn't uh, because of what happened in the main event. Mm. But these two, like Jeremy said, they have such a good chemistry together. They're stylistically, they're very alike. Yeah, they do. They have a lot of similar move sets. Um, they've tried to play that stupid injury angle with Seth's knee for a little bit, which I thought was really stupid. They were like trying to slow it down. Slow we all motion. hated that. He didn't do it. <laughs> Nothing bad happened. Um, Not needed that's, at all. That's literally the only flaw with the match. Yeah. Um, other than that, we all expected Seth to pick up that win. He's been so good for the past. I mean, he's been good his whole career, but like specifically Seth freaking Rollins mm-hmm. for the past two or three years, he deserves this championship. Um, it, it's it is annoying though because having this match go on first, it just shows that this title is second to Roman, and this is a championship that's going to be defended um, at every pay per view going forward. Roman's kind of on a hiatus, as we know, he's part time right now, so this should be the championship in wrestling. Uh, so having that match go on first, obviously it's second, which is fine. Whatever, at least we have a world heavyweight championship on on Raw again, so I'm happy about that. Um, and, you know, like Jeremy said, AJ Styles always goes on first. So <laughs> what better way, though? 20 minutes for these two. It was a great match. And this was AJ's first championship match in four years for, for a singles yeah. world heavyweight title. And the last match was also against Rollins, which is interesting. So I was happy with the outcome. It was a good match. Yeah, I thought this was definitely match of the night, clear cut. Um, you know, you guys touch base on, like, stylistically, they're very similar. Um, you saw a little bit of everything, Styles, Clashes, Falcon Arrows, a couple pedigrees. So they were shouting out to Triple H a lot during this, which is really cool. I also enjoyed that there was no interference in this match because I feel like if, you know, Grayson Waller or, say, Karrion Cross, because those are the kind of the names that were flowing around that could potentially screw AJ Styles out of that victory. I'm glad that didn't happen because... We're talking about how this championship is like the consolation prize, and it would have made Seth look even weaker if he got like a cheap victory out of that. So I'm glad that he got a clean victory on AJ. 
Um, 20 minute matches, excellent because I love long matches between two elite athletes, and that's what these two guys are. Despite the fact that AJ's in like his older aging years, but I don't care. He still can go at 44, 45, however old he is. And I definitely enjoyed it, even though it kicked off the show when I thought maybe we could have been made event, but obviously, you know, the reasons like Chris mentioned of why that didn't happen. So excellent match. I enjoyed it. Also some of Seth's uh, best gear as well. That blue yes. and that blue and the cheetah print and the gold. That was some clean gear. Yeah, he's, he's first team all gear. I think when it comes to uh, wrestling in general. And so what I will say is the rumors are already starting to spin and there are reports and I want to hear from you gentlemen. Uh, Seth Rollins' potentially first opponent could be the Beast, Brock Lesnar. Uh, interesting, it would be for him to fear them. What I will say is this, and we also heard there could be a triple threat match involving Cody in that match. Um, you know, Brock's coming off a win. I think this will play into the Brock-Cody storyline as well. So who knows what this is going to be. I guess it's tough because I'm not sure Brock necessarily needs a loss either at this point. I'm sure he's fine with taking one. Uh, but thoughts on that? Thoughts on Lesnar being potentially the first guy Rollins defends against? I do think that they need to feed Rollins somebody who, you know, that he has to beat. And if it is Brock for his first, uh, you know, title defense, that's fine because Cody's going to interfere and screw Brock anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'm fine with it. It's going to be what we expect. I know Sean's probably not happy with it because it's going to be a 10-minute match. <laughs> can see it on his face. Whatever. Get get <laughs> through Money in the Bank or whatever you have to get through. And then maybe find somebody more legitimate. That's I mean, Brock's been full-time too, yeah. which has been great. So if Brock's going to put on a program with Seth full-time, I'm fine with it for now until they, they find you know some another heel for him. So I'm cool with it. Yeah, I kind of expected it, honestly, because, you know, getting that victory over Cody, and you guys touched base on it already, that it plays right into Cody's hands where it's like Brock screw Cody out of the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. What better way for Cody to get a revenge and screw Brock out of winning the championship? The only thing I don't like about this, other than the quality of the match, because I don't think it's going to be good at all, um, is the fact that I think this is going to take a hit on Seth because – when Seth won the championship from Lesnar at Mania 35, I think we all agree on that. He had a very subpar. Um, exactly. And I, I worry that the fans are kind of not necessarily turn on him, but he's going to become very stale quick if he's getting like these cheap victories where he gets these cop outs due to interferences. And that's the one thing that I don't like because I want to see Seth actually like have that championship with pride and actually get legitimate victories. And I get that they have to do it for storyline purposes, but. I think they should give Seth maybe a couple other challengers, maybe like a Shinsuke or somebody, maybe do a separate tournament for the number one contender spot and then feed him to Lesnar. But I definitely understand why they're doing it because they have to get this on their way because, you know, SummerSlam is heading around the corner. And I think that's where the third match is going to be. It's going to be Cody and Brock. And then Cody goes over, whether it's a stipulation match or not. But yeah, that's kind of my take on it. I think what's interesting too with Brock is the unpredictability with him these days he see and you know it, at chris's point he is full time so i do think that adds something to a story that you can appreciate he at least will be there for a promo every week probably um 
but he is on, I, I think at this point in his career, he is very unpredictable. And I, I thought the beatdown on Cody was great. I actually was one of the people that really enjoyed that. So I don't know. It could be a different element for Seth, but I agree. Seth does need to come out of this gate now really strong from this title win. Because if you don't do that, you are running the damage that could be Seth just has another worthless world title reign. <laughs> All of a sudden, you start yeah. lining guys up like Brock Lesnar. Uh, you know, he got stuck with the he went with the Fiend back then. He got like in a in a rough run where he was like, "Oh shit, what the hell's going on?" But Baron yeah, they Corbin. need people against mm. him that are legitimate contenders. And I know Chris brought this up. McIntyre could be one. Now that I think about it, and I'm talking about it. If they brought back McIntyre, that's like a credible person for him to be. And I'm not saying McIntyre needs to lose, but McIntyre is also up to the stature of like someone you would want him to face and be in a good feud. So it reminds me very similar when AJ had the title and Samoa Joe was his opponent because he brought a lot out of him, um, but still never won. So I, I think that's like the bigger thing too is um, if you can have a couple matches with a guy and, and have Seth go over twice or something on McIntyre, that would be fine. But you can still extend that story out a little bit longer too, and that would be, those would be good I think, matches. I think, I think Damian Priest would be the perfect opponent for That's Seth. Right, yep. And Seth, Seth and Brock's feud is going to be more about Brock and Cody than it is the World Heavyweight Title. Correct. Yeah. That hundred percent. It, it, it's not going to have anything to do with Seth. Like, what better way for the Cody Brock feud? than to have Brock go after the championship that Seth Rollins, I mean, that Cody Rhodes was ultimately trying to win. Yep. You know? Right. So it's going to be way more about the Cody Brock than the actual championship and Seth Rollins. That's very true. Exactly. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see on Raw tonight how they uh, handle this going forward. I think it should be quite interesting. Uh, the next match on the card was actually a surprising one in terms of uh, length. Uh, it was Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch, and Trish Stratus did ended up going over as uh, I I predicted. I think we all one of us had Becky. I think Sean did. Uh, yeah, I had Becky. Um, so Trish won, but the the match itself almost went fifteen minutes. It was fourteen minutes fifty seconds, which is a little bit longer than I thought the match would go on for. So it showed what I was surprising. Enough, I you know, I, I said I think on this podcast previously that Lita looks like she's a bit slower now these days, but Trish is starting to pick it up a little bit more, maybe because she took a little bit more time off. She worked really well in this match, and I thought gave a lot for what was asked of her, and I think it'll progress in the storyline. Um, that they're gonna have obviously more than one match, uh, being that Trish won, and I, I think that was predictable in terms of them extending the feud a bit longer. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised with with the quality of this match. Um, and I really enjoyed it uh, for what it was. So uh, Trish goes over, but I, I do think coming out of this, I think Trish looks even stronger as a heel now. Um, and Becky, even losing, I don't, you know, the big rabbit in the room, right? The reason Trish won, as we can talk about, is who was hiding underneath the ring was Zoe Stark. This was a fantastic move by Triple H to elevate a young talent and pair them with an absolute legend in Tristratus to get Zoe Stark immediately into the spotlight of a big feud with Becky Lynch. And if this results in Zoe Stark potentially feuding with Becky Lynch as well, 
that's fucking fantastic. Like if we get those matches. So uh, the part, the ending to this match was great. And I thought they did it in a very clever way. Uh, I want to hear you guys' reactions, but I thought this was a very good match with a great ending. Yeah, I th- it went as I thought it would with Trish winning. I didn't know how she was going to win, but to have it be Zoe Stark is perfectly booked. She's a an up-and-coming NXT superstar who just got drafted. And what better way than to put her with a vet um, and have her, you know, she was kind of a heel on Monday Night Raw lately. Yep. It was like her character has been like a little bit different and weird to me. But to have her do what she did to Becky Lynch and bust her completely wide open. She was <laughs> she bleeding pretty up. bad. Yeah. And last time we saw Becky bleeding like that was Nia Jackson. Yeah, Becky went on a hell of a run after that. Good. So I think to put a, a young girl like that who's actually incredible in the ring, I think she's got a great move set. She has a bright future ahead of her. She does. To, to immediately have an impact like that, that's perfect. That's what you want out of these people who just got drafted from NXT. I think the match was good. Trish looked good. Becky looked good. Um, and I'm actually excited for the feud going forward to see what happens with Zoe Stark. Same. To see if there's going to be a stipulation of any sort at any of their other matches. I'm actually so intrigued by this, and I never thought I would be intrigued by, like, you know, a 40-something-year-old Trish Stratus. But this is this was actually really good booking, so I'm excited to see what's to come. Yeah, this match was surprisingly really, really good. Um, I was a little bit concerned because, I mean, I agree with you, Jeremy, that Trish is definitely better than Lita at this stage of their careers. But I did not think that Trish would be able to keep up as well as she did in this match. And the chemistry was really great between these two. There's some good movesets uh, between them. As far as Zoe Stark getting involved, it, I think it's a perfect pairing, honestly, to be fair. I was telling you guys yesterday that me and Fast were talking the car literally, like, hours before the event how like zoe stark how we love her so much but we feel so bad that the crowd is just not in tune it's been crickets and like where is she going to go from here and we just got our answer right now pairing with a legend in trish stratus um i think it's gonna be very intriguing because you know this feud is clearly not over this is only just beginning and i think what they're going to do down the line whether it's you know maybe two ross from now they might do like a you know becky picks a tag team partner and then they do those two versus Zoe and Trish and then kind of get that feud going from there and then see like what happens. Maybe they develop a faction because Trish is going to be around for a while that Matt mentioned with the three-year contract. So if she does stick around, I would love to see like a little mini faction, sort of like what damage control was, except like a more stronger over version because obviously Trish is going to draw heat. Um, And then Zoe, like once the fans actually see her talent, she's going to be over real quick because she's absolutely phenomenal. And Becky did her thing in the ring as well. Like, Becky has not had a bad match in I don't know how many years. Like, she just keeps improving. So, very good match. So, I enjoyed it. I think people with Zoe, all they need to see is her finisher and she'll get over. Because it's one of the better finishers from a woman that that you'll ever see. Uh, And it can obviously be deadly as well. It can also just absolutely crack someone's nose when it looks like they hit their chest. So, I don't know. It's a lot to look forward to with Zoe Stark. But I, I agree with Sean. It's... The perfect pairing, in my opinion, because it it inserts someone that is young, that had no crowd reaction, to someone that instantly draws heat when they're out there, especially in a big-time feud. And that's how you're supposed to do it with these NXT people. You got to get them involved. That's what they're going to be doing with J.D. McDonough. You got to get them involved with established guys to then establish them with the crowd. That's how you draw them in. Damian Priest got way better, and he's considered almost a main eventer now. 
because he was yeah. labeled with Edge when he first when like one of his first people he wanted was was Damian Priest. So, you know, they'll come a long way. They got to pay their dues, but it, it's it's a great pairing. Uh, the next match on the card was the Intercontinental Championship match. Eight minutes, 35 seconds. Gunther defeated Mustafa Ali. Not a long match, not a short match. Uh, Ali did a few moves that were pretty impressive. But what can you say? The ring general keeps ruling on. Uh, no problems with Mustafa Ali. Uh, Gunther is just must-watch television when he's on. Whether it's a promo, it's a match. He's going to inflict a lot of pain on anyone he's, a, he's across the, the squared circle from. And I just think that um, his character just demands greatness when he talks about, you know, the love of the sport, how much he respects wrestling. Uh, he's just one to watch for me that he's the here and now. Like, he's obviously part of the future, but uh, the future is going to be very soon for him to be in that world title hunt. So for me... This was another match that just proved that he's just above some of these guys. Uh, and by about, he's way above some of these guys. So uh, no surprise here. Gunther gets the win. The match was fine. Uh, and the ending spot was great. He always does that double drop kick so good. This time it was absolutely clean into that powerbomb. Uh, so I really enjoyed the ending. But yeah, Gunther with the win and I, it was a fine match. Yeah, this was as predictable as they come. It's almost as predictable as Rhea Ripley uh, has oh, been God. lately as well. We'll get we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but that's the night. Oh God, Gunther! I mean, he is just on another level right now, and by another level, I mean it's not even close. Yeah. Like he's on a level of Roman Reigns esque, of Seth Rollins esque. <laughs> it's Gunther mode. <laughs> He's just so damn good at this point at everything that he does, whether it's in the ring, on the mic. Like Jeremy said, he's must-see TV. Yeah. I can't wait to see who he goes with going forward, going into you know Money in the Bank, if he's going to be in the Money in the Bank match, yeah. who he's going to be facing going into SummerSlam. I know for a while we were hoping it was Brock. It doesn't look like it's going to be that anymore. And I can't wait for him to get into a world championship like feud next year at WrestleMania 40 with Seth Rollins. That's going to happen. <laughs> the two biggest stars yeah. on Monday Night Raw probably in the company right now. But Mustafa Ali, he's still really good. Don't take anything away from him. The crowd was really over for him. There were a few times where, you know, the crowd was really getting into it and he was going to the top rope and you thought, oh, could this be it? No, sorry. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Sorry, we didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah, Great. Sorry, it was a good match. It was a it, it was a short match. It was a good match, but it's exactly what we expected. Gunther picking up the win, holding on to that IC title. Let's see who's next for him. Yeah, like the match is fine. I, Ali displayed some good move sets because I think he's a good athlete. The problem is the fans just don't give a shit about him, <laughs> and that's when you have that happening against you know one of the best in the business in Gunther. It's just as predictable as it gets, and you know Gunther doing the double. Uh, drop kick for a guy his size is still ridiculous. Like some of the stuff he does, I'm just like, wow. I don't care how um, much of an athlete he is. Like a guy that size should not be able to do. Him and Orton, Orton also, who I think has the best drop kick. Um, you know, some of them he just impresses me every match he's in. 
and you guys pretty much touched base on it. Like this is this rain's gonna continue until you know that icy record is up. So just keep feeding him challengers, and then let him inflict as much damage and pain as possible, and then let's get this ball rolling. It's Mania Forty. Yeah, Mania Forty, we go. The next match <laughs> was. <laughs> Asuka. Bianca Belair versus Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh, boy. 15-minute uh, match on the dot. And Chris finally gets to eat his words because he doesn't pick Asuka when she wins. Just like I said it was going to happen. Um <laughs> Chris, just hope she has a long title reign because you'll get some oh, dubs if she has a long God. title reign. I, I wasn't ready for Asuka. What I will say is this. Uh, I wasn't ready, I'm not ready, and I'm not looking forward to this reign. I was very uh, not that happy to be correct about this picking of the match. Uh, many people on here, are, and I see on Twitter, the Twitter world, are talking about this match with such a creative ending. And, you know, it's really exciting that Asuka's champion. I'm not that excited for the simple fact that I know Sean will expand on. Uh, where does Asuka go from here in terms of promo work? Who does she feud with? The The reason I picked Asuka and, and Fast talked about this is Bianca's going to turn heel. And I think that'll be her chasing the title at that point. You have someone take it from Asuka. And then you have Bianca feud with that person, maybe going into Mania next year or something like that. But Asuka won. I don't think any of us were excited except for Chris. Uh, <laughs> the match itself was okay. It wasn't a bad match. What I will say is their Mania match to me was probably better in terms of the in-ring stuff. Uh, there was a few good spots from Bianca here or there, but I thought the ending was terrible just as I think every ending to probably every Oscar match is. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. <sighs> I Take a deep went breath. ahead and picked Bianca Belair in this match because I was not going to make the same mistake as I have been over and over and over when it comes to Asuka. <laughs> and what happened? Asuka wins. <laughs> so... <laughs> I said That's last week I, <laughs> I said last week on the pod that I would pick Asuka every time going forward at every pay-per-view event if she won this match. <laughs> so here I am now, two nights out of Night of Champions, having to pick Asuka every pay-per-view going forward. <laughs> Not what I thought Good was going to happen, wins. everybody. This is what should have happened at WrestleMania, though, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, I think I'm more looking forward, obviously to the title run than these two are, <laughs> um, not necessarily for the promos that are going to happen, but I'm more along the lines of, I was kind of getting sick of Bianca Belair. That's fair. Um, and by sick of Bianca Belair, I mean, I, she needs a heel turn and that wasn't going to happen with the championship. So I'm happy they got the title belt off, off of her to have that heel turn. Um, that's more where I'm at with it. I know Asuka's probably going to have a short reign and probably lose to maybe Charlotte or somebody else at SummerSlam. I really don't think she's going to go more than two or three months with the title. So I'm fine with it for now. 
Um, but let's get Bianca, her character, let's get her a little bit of a change right now because I think she really needs it. She needs to go back to that heel that she was in NXT. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm at with it. I don't hate it. I don't hate the finish. It had to be a dirty finish of some sort. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Go ahead, Sean. Okay. <laughs> this match was mid at best. So this did not live anywhere near up to the WrestleMania match, which I thought was actually pretty decent. The build was absolute dog shit. I thought the WrestleMania one was dog shit. This was even worse. I don't know what it is with Asuka and, you know, the this love for mist and spitting it in people's faces, but if this is what we're going to be looking forward to with her reign going forward, then I will not be tuned into SmackDown or I'll be taking a lot of bathroom breaks because this is absolutely atrocious. As far as Bianca, I agree she's due for a heel turn, but what I wanted her to see, I thought what was going to happen was if she was going to turn heel, I thought she was going to beat Asuka in like a very competitive match. And then after the match, I thought she was going to beat the hell out of her after the bell and then just apply like a submission, just whoop her with the title, have the referees come down, try and pull her off her. And that would slowly draw some heat because Oscar, I don't even think Oscar's a heel. Like she still gets a lot of cheers when she comes out there. Like she gets like some boos when she spits the miss on Bianca. But for the most part, when she comes out there. The fans still like her for a decent amount. All the cheers are from so, Chris. <laughs> so I think I think if Bianca just wanted an onslaught and just attacked her after that victory, then I think that's would have been like a good move because she would still retain the championship and then she'll be able to like, you know, draw heat. And then if she wanted to lose in the next pay-per-view against somebody else, that would be cool. And then if you want to insert Asuka against somebody else to get that win back in the title run, then you could do that. But I just think it was a mistake on the booking for this one because there was no indication, in my opinion, that this was going to be a change of hands for the title. But that's all I can say about that. That's fair. And I, I, I think we're all in agreement that uh, Bianca needs a heel turn. So I'm interested to see what they do. Also, we can still talk about this every fucking week because it seemingly they have no idea what the fuck they're going to do with it. Change those fucking titles. Why yeah. is the Raw Women's Championship still on SmackDown? Months now. It's probably like a month and a <laughs> half now. What is going on? We're past WrestleMania. Let's figure it the fuck out. Uh, besides that, we're moving on to the other women's match. We don't even have to talk about this one long. Rhea Ripley versus Natalia. One minute, ten seconds. I jokingly, when we were watching this, I said... Natty's going to come out here and she's going to get squashed. Sooner or later, a minute later, that's exactly what happens. This was not a good match, not a good feud, not a good anything. Rhea Ripley was just being fed someone, which I completely appreciate. And I appreciate that it was Natty. Uh, On her birthday, too. Yeah, happy birthday, <laughs> Natalia. Uh, you did really well in, in against Rhea Ripley, so... Listen, mommy reigns supreme. I do think in this point, like they're just trying to get people so she can just annihilate them, which I understand. Uh, but we'll see about, I think their goal with Rhea is to eventually get her to a Becky Lynch feud. I think Chris mentioned this potentially next year at Mania. If it's a little bit sooner than that, fine. But I do think that is the match, the long end game match that they probably want. <clears throat> and I, I think that makes sense. So you gotta, you gotta, Play around with who you can have Rhea beat. Natty's perfect. Put her down. Now don't ever have that match again. Anything <laughs> else to add, boys, about uh, 
Rhea, Rhea and Natty, besides the humor? Nope. Fucking terrible. <laughs> Best part of the match was when Dominic was laughing at Natty. Oh, true. Very true. <laughs> I have not that. That was absolute dog shit. <laughs> next. This was one of the low moments of the card, obviously. Uh, next was Brock Lesnar defeating Cody Rhodes uh, with <sighs> the Kimura. Submission, nine minutes, 40 seconds, very similar to their last match in terms of length. Um, Brock Lesnar winning here makes sense in the fact that they're going to have the trio, whether that be at Money in the Bank or at SummerSlam, we're not sure yet. I thought it was interesting because they did have me going that Cody would potentially not uh, tap out to the Kimura, so it made sense that he just basically couldn't go anymore and the ref just called it uh i'm not a huge fan of cody losing i was very confident in cody winning this match because like sean said i don't love cody Rhodes losing uh especially with him trying to build himself up after he's already lost the biggest match that he's lost so but i understand the booking so listen he's gonna probably gonna get his wing back in that third match um, and I do have to agree with uh, some other folks that said, you know, with an injury, a broken arm, is it really believable that he would beat Brock Lesnar in a match? So I understand that as well. Um, but that's kind of what I thought about it. I was fine with Brock winning, honestly, in the end. Uh, they're going to have a third match. So And it has to be a stipulation match because these regular matches, don't get me wrong. Um, I didn't think this match was that bad either, like, Brock is what Brock is. I tell Sean this all the time. He doesn't want to hear it, but Brock is what he is right now. He's not. We, we know what he is, but he still can give he's it. Not, if he wants to. He's <laughs> not uh, in 2003 anymore. But what I will say is this. Uh, whether I'm right or I'm wrong, I think this is what just what you should expect from a Brock Lesnar match. Yeah, I mean, I honestly was under the impression Cody was going to go for a clean sweep against Brock, just like he did Seth, 3-0, no problem. I wish I rethought that, though. Same. Like, now looking, now looking back, back at the at booking, I'm like, this makes so much more sense than having Cody go over three in a row. Yep. I think the booking for this match was good. Have Cody pass out. Do not have him tap out. Do not have him take a pin. Have Brock absolutely annihilate this man's arm that's already broken until he can't take the pain anymore and he passes out from pain. I think that's perfect booking. Like Jeremy said, it is what it is with Brock Lesnar at this point. These are the matches that he's going to give you, unless it's a stipulation match with the third, should be a stipulation match. Whether it's, I don't think it'll be last man standing because that's what he had against Roman last year. Unsanctioned or... No holds barred, unsanctioned. Something something violent. I wouldn't mind a first blood. Brock's Ooh, been like bleeding. Too, yeah. Brock's been bleeding a lot lately, so I'd be fine with that. Or a Hell in a Cell. I mean, Cody and Seth Hell in a Cell was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the booking just makes sense for this feud right now. Have Brock go over. Cody's going to pick up the third win. That's going to end the feud. It is what it is. The match to me, probably like a four out of ten. The booking for me, more like an eight or nine out of ten. Yeah, when we did our predictions, um, you know, if we had known that Brock was going to break Cody's arm, I would have picked Brock. That's true. But we had done our cards prior to that attacking. Mm-hmm. So now, like, that that happened, the more it drew near the United Champions, I'm like, you know what? I kind of regret picking Cody for this because Jeremy touched on it. How would it make sense for Cody with a decimated arm to go in there and beat 
you know, a fully healthy beast of a man in Brock Lesnar. He looks it like just he's coming make juice sense. again, now that you say that. He looks like, he looks like <laughs> exactly. he's in peak physical performance. <laughs> yeah, and so it, I can definitely see why. And, you know, WWE loves the trilogy fights. And I've never been a fan of the clean sweep. I always want to see, like, someone go over two out of three because it just makes it competitive for both guys. Um, for this, uh, the match itself, I mean, Cody did his thing. Cody did as much as he could with, quote-unquote, one arm. But... I'm sorry, Brock is just awful. And not that he can't go. Like, Brock is a very great wrestler, like, in real life and in WWE. The problem is the guy, does he gives zero, he gives little to zero effort when he's out there. And my beef about him is I get that he has that quote-unquote leverage because he's Brock Lesnar, he's bigger than the sport. But, dude, like, you have the ability. You're one of the most gifted athletes of all time. Give effort to the fans. Like, you're taken care of by the company. And you're out there with like the most pop, well, maybe the second most popular guy in the company right now, in Cody Rhodes. Like, I just want to see more after. You don't have to go all out, do 35, 40 minutes, but give me something more than F5 in German suplex. He did a belly to belly and a Kimura. He did a couple a belly to bellies. Yeah, so he did a little <laughs> bit different, but I just want to see him bring back a little bit of his, maybe half of what he did in 2003, kind of implement that in his matches. But other than that, so I'd say three out of 10. But he's so stiff. Uh, I do think I do think Cody is still going to come out strong. I agree from this from this loss. I mean, Brock had him in a Kimura for like four fucking minutes. Yeah, that's true. He hulked up. That that arm did not touch the mat. Um, you know, Cody did hit some crossroads in the match. He hit the Cody cutter, which. Brock still sells he does. better than anybody he else. I really think really so. Well. He sells very he well. He sells very well. So Cody still looks really good coming out of this. It, it is what it is. It's Brock Lesnar. This is what we're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys this before we go into uh, main event. How much are you looking forward to Gunther and Brock potentially now that we're seeing all these lackluster performances from Brock? Are we even? I'm, me personally, I'm starting to get lower and lower interested on that match, to be honest with you. I'm still very I interested. Don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to call it lackluster. I'm really not. I'm interested in the feud. I'm interested in what Brock Lesnar has going forward. We, we're seeing Brock Lesnar full-time on weekly television, which is more than we had when he was Universal Champion four or five years ago. I'm like still, I only, I'm still I only, looking I only love it. Brock Lesnar his buildups. That's pretty much it. Like his buildups have been fire, but the sometimes, matches... sometimes buildup is going to do more for you than a, a good match will. And, and that's, that's and that's Brock Lesnar now. Yeah. I think the buildups are more than than you're going to get delivered for a match. I also think Gunther is a different type of wrestler than a lot of the guys he's been wrestling somewhat recently. So, yeah, bigger guy. He's going to strike a lot. I don't know. I, I'm still interested because you, you, we've never seen it, and we never will because Brock Lesnar will retire if they wait around and don't do it. So right. to me, if, if I have a chance of seeing it, I'd rather you know turn over the stone than leave the stone the other way and never get it, right? So if we never get it, I think I'd be upset looking back and being like, okay, that was rumored for a long time and they never did it. I think that would it's, piss okay. me off more than not getting the match. 
It's tough right. too because I feel like a match with that magnitude um, is only fitting for like WrestleMania or SummerSlam, and I think SummerSlam is booked with Cody and Brock, and then I think Gunther and Rollins are going to be at forty. So I think you could do another pay per view. To be honest, I, I, as you long could as see Gunther. Match. You could see Gunther Brock at, at uh, Survivor Series. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Personally, I'd like to see I'd like to see Imperium in a War Games match. Yeah, if they add a fourth member. But you could see Brock at, at Survivor Series against Gunther there too. I would love to see Brock and like three other members have their own team against not Imperium. Happen. He's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. But yeah. I would love to see. That. I don't that think he'll agree to go 25, 30 minutes. War like games that matches are like thirty-five yeah. minutes. Yeah, he's not going to do that. Flip him an extra million. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But I do want the match. I, I'm very much not like opposed to it as I maybe would have been in the past, just because I do think Lesnar is winding down, whether that's a year down the road, whether it's a year and a half or two years, there's only so many times you can have him with certain guys. So if you get it done, you get it done. And you said you had the match. I'm fine with that. And it's not like we can go backwards in time and put him in 2005 and be like, okay, Brock Lesnar in 2005 against 2023 Gunther. It's just not going to happen. So I'll still take Brock Lesnar today uh, against Gunther today. So, like, th- like, think about it this way: WrestleMania 31, we had Undertaker versus Bray Wyatt. To me, very similar situation, two similar characters. If we never got Undertaker Bray Wyatt to this day, we'd be saying, "Oh, I wish we we could have seen them face each For other." For sure, it's like what we I say mean, about CM Punk and Stone Cold. Yeah, and I right. do think we, I do think Brock and Gunther will fight at some point. I think we will get that match. Undertaker yeah. and Sting is another one that everyone always goes right. back to and be like, okay, what if? Right. Um, yeah, I, I just think that they it needs to happen for sure. If they have the the power to do it, they should do it. Main event: uh, Coven Owens and Sami Zayn against the Bloodline, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa for the. Undisputed Tag Team Championships. It was 26... Sorry, let me get the official time here. 26-25 with (laughs) Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn going over. By going over... We'll just skip right to the end, right? The juiciest part. Yeah, of course. Uh, In going over, the Usos were out there trying to assist Roman and Solo for this win. They ended up putting... Kevin Owens under the announcer's desk. They go into the ring to help Roman, uh, to help Solo. I think Solo was was in there. So they start super kicking everybody, and then they go to double super kick Sami Zayn in the ring. And Sami is near Solo inside the ring. Sami ducks. They absolutely annihilate Solo out of his mind. He falls to the ground. Roman Reigns is on the outside watching this happen, by the way. So all he sees is Solo getting super kicked by the Usos. And Roman's like, what the hell's going on? So he jumps in the ring. Immediately, you know, you know something's going to go down with him and the Usos. Starts pie-facing the shit out of Jimmy. Pushes him away. Goes over to Jay. He pie-faces him. Pushes him away. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Uso is the guy that super kicks Roman Reigns. And his eyes are beating out of his fucking head. He's so mad. And the energy was great from Jimmy Uso in this moment, too. And an unexpected. Chris, I'll let say his couple of points because he had a couple of great points 
when we were talking about this live was um, I was just surprised it was Jimmy to, to do that. So, and then Jay, he, he was, he was the first one to um, kick Sammy. Correct. So that's, what, that's what Chris mentioned when, uh, when we talked about this and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, it, it, it gave a nice highlight to Jimmy and I thought that was really, really cool. Jay was standing there uh, looking confused, shocked, surprised. Uh, Jimmy, after he did it, you know, he was he, same, very similar speech, but he was like, you're my brother, you're not his. <laughs> and we love when they say that. So it, it's very funny and very ironic. Uh, Jay Uso, I think at times also looked like he was going to laugh again in certain parts of the promo when they came out. Not the promo, but the match. Uh, so, but once he super kicked, it got very serious. So I, I thought that was a great angle. And then they end up pinning Solo Sokoa to win the match, not Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, don't worry. He's still unscathed, did not take the pin as many suggested <laughs> on here. Uh, but yeah, good match. And I, I thought it was a decent match throughout. With Roman Reigns matches, you also have to understand that he'll be looking at the crowd and taunting the crowd for probably five minutes of the match. That's just how the character is going to work. These are long matches, but five minutes and also 10 minutes for the entrance. Uh, that's just how it's going to roll. But the match itself wasn't bad. In terms of quality, I think the Usos match was definitely better. But what I will say is the story progresses in a great way here and a faster way than I think we all thought was going to happen. Because I, I, I ended my point last time in the prediction saying... If they turn, I think I'd be. We'd all be very surprised if it's that quick. Maybe they'll they'll do it by accident. And somehow they'll lose. This is very purposeful and very on point. Uh, so that I'll leave it there. But yeah, I thought the match was good and the ending was was better. Yeah, the match was good. I also thought it was going to be a an accident of some sort. I didn't think it was going to be the full turn, but dude. Jimmy is quick to pull that trigger when it comes to turning on people. First one to kick Sammy, kicks Roman Reigns' fucking head off his shoulders, and then says, I'm doing what you should have done a long time ago, and did it again. And the reason I think that Jay has not done anything is because in 2020, that man went through the ringer with Roman Reigns. He lost a few matches to Roman. He had to acknowledge him. It all started with Roman and Jay. And even though we know at some point Jay's going to probably absolutely beat the piss out of Roman, it's it's been coming for a long time. He's still like, damn, that's the tribal chief. You guys don't really know what he can do to you until you're in the ring with him. And I think that's why he's so complacent when it comes to actually laying a finger on Roman Reigns at this point. I think... This is a, a big spotlight for Jimmy. I'd love to see Roman and Jimmy go one-on-one -on -one at some point because of this. I do think it's just going to be the tag, though, the tag team match. And we did see Roman's schedule coming up. So he is scheduled for about eight times over a 12- to 14-week period, which is nice to see. Um, I thought I, I went back and rewatched some of the highlights of the turn, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you guys did, but Sammy, I mean Sammy, Jay is actually saying Roman's real name right after the turn. Yep. So oh. if you go back and rewatch it, when I, Roman's outside the ring, Jay goes to the ropes and says, Joe. I did hear that. Joe. I didn't catch that. He He's saying Roman's real name, which plays even more into it. That just makes it that much better. 
and you can see Roman walking up the ramp, and Paul Heyman's like looking at Roman, like, uh, it's all coming yeah, to an Heyman, end. And Sam, Heyman you know, was devastated. Sammy, it's, sa- go it's ahead. Like, it's like what Jay said on that Raw when they turned on uh, Sammy. This is family shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, Sammy Zayn was right. It's all crumbling, and it's all because of Roman Reigns. It shouldn't have pie faced either one of the Usos, and you wouldn't have got super kicked and lost that match. But. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely happy with how how everything's turning out with the bloodline, and it's probably going to go on for maybe two or three more months. I'm guessing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this was a very good match. Um, I also think the Usos one was a little bit better just because the magnitude of it and the story was yeah. just slightly more important. But this is a good match overall. Some decent spots. Um, I was very shocked that it was an intentional heel turn. I thought, like you guys, it was going to be an accident. And the reason why I thought that was because. When Roman announced to the Usos, you know, I want you guys here um, after Night of Champions on SmackDown when I celebrate my thousand days, I figured, all right, if they're going to do that, why not have an accidental situation and then he can confront them, call them out during the celebration. Now it's just like, well, now now it's just like, well, party's over before it even started, (laughs) before Jimmy took my head off. I also love that Jay did not partake in that because what I think is going to happen is I think Roman, and whether it's this week or next week, I think at some point Roman is going to have a backstage segment with him and Jay. And he's like, did you talk to your brother? And so, yeah, what's what's going on with Jimmy? Like, what's your deal? You let him just take my head off like that? And then it's going to cause more, like, Roman's got to be the best gaslighter I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> he really is. It's true. <laughs> like, he just makes you feel so guilty about everything. And I love how, like, Months ago, five, six months ago, it was, you know, Roman versus Jay. And now it goes right back to the other brother, Roman versus Jimmy. So everyone is all partaking in this. And I think very near, probably a month down the line, Solo's going to jump right into that mix. And Solo's going to be fed up with Roman shit. And then Solo's going to deliver that Samoan spike to Roman. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I do think we see Roman and Solo versus Usos. And then... Some drama is going to happen where officially it'll be the end of the bloodline. And yeah. honestly, it, it's now just hitting me that this bloodline story is coming to an end. Because what a three years it has been. It just flew by just like that. I saw I saw a match card prediction, which seemed very accurate. I was going to say the same if we're saying the same. For maybe, it might be. So Money in the Bank is Roman and Solo versus the Usos. SummerSlam is Roman versus Jay. Okay. That's the one that I saw. So I saw something a little bit different, which I thought was intriguing. Maybe this was just a fan one on Twitter. I don't remember. I just saw it briefly. I didn't really look into it. I saw, maybe it was Money in the Bank they wanted this and maybe predicted it, was Roman versus Jimmy with Jay as a special guest referee for the title. Oh, see, that, that would be, that, very that, that would be great. I want that. That would I be want very that. interesting yep. for me. Um, have Jay be the the guest ref and have Solo be the special enforcer. Uh, I see. I don't. I don't think Jimmy would win that match, but I do think Jay would try to like help Roman uh, help Jimmy win. 
So I think it would be very. It would be. It would be like. It would be like uh, the Hell in a Cell with Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, yeah, and Triple H. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I also think he'll be a much better referee than Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, yeah, we will get to some things from AEW. But if we get that match, that is high quality match right that, there. That, that would, would be, be great. Uh, very, very good storytelling as well. Because if they can yes. come up with shit for that match. Uh, I think the story tells itself, and you can really play with a few different things in there. They have a it's lot. It's just of... like, oh, go ahead. Chris. The ending. I was going to say the ending of Night of Champions. Like when you when Roman realized what what was happening. Yeah. Was he's on the outside? He shakes off his head. He looks up. Sammy's holding the belts above him. He looks at the ramp and he sees the Usos walking up the ramp. And you could just see he didn't know what the hell to do. Yep. And that's the best part of it is his acting. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Show what does Solo any, do? Yeah, I was going to say anything left. I was going to say, like, uh, with Solo, what's going to happen now? Does Solo just go in there and attack, um, you know, his brothers? Because he, he, when he, you know, you blink, you look up and you see your brother super kicking you. The first reaction is, wow, they did this intentionally. Uh, now, obviously, they're going to play the storyline. Obviously, he's going to see a replay. It's an accident. But I'm very intrigued to see where he, like, partakes in this does roman continue to have solo as his quote-unquote bitch and be like so. i want you so that's what i think his, is gonna... his, yeah his name is solo for a reason he's a wild card he's on his own i think he's yeah. a wild card but what i will say though is <laughs> i do think they play the storyline out a bit with solo still helping roman because mm-hmm. i think he's gonna try and get them and i do think that this will come to attack match eventually whenever that is is them two against the usos it was interesting that they also played off like Roman was slightly intimidated by Solo when they bumped shoulders accidentally. Yeah, which is, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you more, Sean, I think, uh, with Solo, but maybe I'm just more in the middle. Like, I, I, I don't think he would be a credible threat to Roman either. I don't think anyone in his own, I don't think anyone is a threat to Roman in terms of the bloodline, the actual bloodline. Uh, yeah. For me, it's very hard to understand any of them beating him, especially because he's a world champion. I don't maybe the anyone... wise, maybe the wise man, but that's <laughs> probably it. I don't see anyone taking those titles, but I do think the non-title, story... yeah, non-title anything. Goes. I do think the yeah. story will get very juicy, and if they were to kind of twist it one way or the other, like if it was against Jimmy with Jay as guest ref or something like that, the tag team match will be good. It's going to be a lot of good stuff coming up too. Uh, that I think there's a lot to get excited for. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, So that wrapped Night of Champions. And I I think this will be a good time to kind of transition to Double or Nothing to talk about this pay-per-view. Interesting at times. Good at times. Very good at times. A couple times. Some shit that is just indescribably fucking chaotic and not necessary. But let's jump in. Uh, <laughs> so we'll go into the first match that was on the zero hour. Uh, this is a well. We, some of these matches we don't really need to go into too much detail for. This match was actually fifteen minutes long. It was a six man tag. It was the Hardys and Hook against Ethan Page and the Guns. Oh boy, uh, there was some unfortunate <laughs> things in this match that happened. Jeff Hardy did get hurt, twisted his knee at one point. Immediately after twisting his knee, trying to go up for the whisper in the wind, 
and he immediately, once he gets up to the second rope, tries to get up to the top rope and misses and is in pain and just almost falls on his fucking head. Uh, for Jeff Hardy's sake, we all thought he was concussed in that moment. It seemingly was a knee injury, and I haven't heard anything today about it or at all. Um, I just hope he's okay. The match was just okay. It was not not a good match. Uh, but for 15 minutes, I was also surprised it was that long. They took up a decent amount of the zero hour. Uh, do you guys have any quick comments about that match? I mean, besides the Hardy thing, is not. It's it's unfortunate, but you know the right winners. You know, uh, the Hardys and Hook were the right winners. It was um, it was about thirteen minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Thirteen minutes too long. <laughs> I mean, I can't say that there were any lies told. Yeah, probably about that. I, I'm just glad Jeff Hardy made it out alive. Me too. Yeah. I'll say that. I'll say that. that the, is- the dude's had a rough a rough time the past twenty years of his wrestling career and. You know, his first match back and he's uh, struggling. First match back and he's hanging on to the ropes well, for second fucking match dear you life. Well, the, de- <laughs> the deletion match, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah only Just glad can, he's okay. Only thing I can say on this is really like when you're more focused on like what Jeff is doing after that spot, it tells you that the match just needs to end already because yeah. we thought that he was completely out of it. And I thought there's an <laughs> instant audible where the referee is going to stop it. And it went on maybe an extra five minutes after that, but very long match for a pre-show, I'll tell you that. Yeah. And then, so towards the end of the pre-show, we had uh, the the folks coming out for the Blackjack Battle Royal. Uh, I think some people aren't a huge fan of Battle Royal. I'm not a huge fan of Battle Royals, but what I'll say is this Battle Royal was not bad. 22-25 was the total time. Uh, Orange Cassidy won by last eliminating Swerve. And what I will say is when we got down to the two finalists, which is Orange Cassidy and Swerve, the actual in-ring ability and the the, ma- the kind of mini match that they had was pretty good. Uh, and I really enjoyed that piece of it. And I love the people I want to highlight, like Penta had some really good spots in this match. Ray Phoenix had some good spots. Big Bill. Uh, Big Bill actually did really well he in this match. Great. And I, I think this elevated him. He was one of the top four. And I think it elevated him, you know, in terms of his character, he I think he doesn't get a lot of opportunity to get elevated like this. So he looked really good in this match. Uh, Ricky Starks gets taken out by Jay White and Juice again. So they're going to continue their feud. That could have been like in the main event spot, like in the, in terms of the, the battle Royal itself, like in that last four, that should have happened. And you can leave big bill or whatever and swerve, but uh, they did that a little bit earlier than I thought they were going to do, but the match was fine. And it has the right winner. Orange Cassidy continues his fucking tear in AEW of putting on fantastic matches. And the the icing on the cake, if you're an Orange Cassidy fan, is how he eliminated Swerve when he was going to go for an orange punch and instead he kicks his fucking hand off the ropes. <laughs> was fucking very clever and exactly played into his character. Uh, so I really enjoyed, obviously, the win. But I really enjoyed the Swerve and Orange Cassidy ending to this match. The ending was honestly so funny when Swerve's holding oh, on so by funny. one hand and Orange Cassidy just kicks his hand and falls <laughs> over. But my favorite spot in the match was when Ricky Stark speared Jay White in half. Oh, yeah, yeah Dude, that was a good spear. That was fantastic. But I'm not a huge fan of Battle Royals either, unless it's like 
a number one contender of some sort. I don't like that it was for a championship, but it was one of the more entertaining ones. And I do think it highlighted a lot of people's talents in this match that you don't normally get to see like Big Bill. I mean, in WWE, I didn't really like him that much, but the dude's really in great shape now. And he's so much better than he used to be actually in ring. He's crushing. Um, so it was it was an entertaining battle royal, and I think it was a good start to AEW. I will say this: it was one of the worst crowds I've ever oh, seen in my entire life definitely. for an AEW pay per view by far. They they did not they did not care about any anything on this entire show. They were asleep in Vegas. I'll say that it was bad. Yeah, I'm even though I'm not also a fan of battle royals, but this one actually had some good moments in it. Um, the ending was excellent. Orange Cassidy is hilarious as well as a fantastic wrestler. Um, the two guys that were credible, Jay White and Ricky, I knew immediately, well, get these two out of the ring somehow, just attack each other, and have Juice Robinson get involved, so continue that rivalry going. Uh, Big Bill had the great spots in there. Um, and like you guys said, like when there's a championship on the line that involves the champion, you know, 99 times out of 100, the champion's retaining. That's why I personally love the Raw IC title number one contenders battle role, because that's for determining Gunther's challenger. So with that one I was more intrigued with because I want to see, oh, who are they going to build true. up for Gunther? This one was kind of a no-brainer that Orange was going to retain. But overall, it was entertaining. Good spots in the match. Another shout-out I'd like to say, and we don't get to see him a lot on TV, is Brian Cage. I thought he was very good in this match. And showed you a lot of the athleticism that a guy that big actually has. Um, and what I and I think I said this about Brian Cage, but when Brian Cage was doing a lot of his, his sets and a lot of these moves, uh, he's a guy that you could push once you split into two shows now when you have collision. Maybe some of these guys that you don't see often will get more shine when this happens because Brian Cage, Big Bill, these guys look fucking fantastic in this match because they only have, this is like the longest they've ever been in probably matches on TV because they don't have TV matches often. And if you're an Orange Cassidy fan like we all are, Go back and watch that match at Big Bill. He, that was a great yeah, match. Yeah, that was very good. Yep. And so, yeah, I want to give the shout-out to Brian Cage as well because I thought he did really well in this match. The next match, going from a great ending to one of the fucking worst endings on this card, uh, and honestly, just a very disappointing match altogether, uh, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, this match really disappointed in areas, and I think I said this to everyone. The match Adam Cole needed was someone not only to protect him. I'm not saying Chris Jericho can't protect him, but to make him look continuously really, really good in only his like second or third match back. Chris Jericho was a big name and a big feud. This match did not do it for him. It did not make him look good. It did not make him look great. It did not push his character forward. It did not push his story forward. Uh, The ending to this match was fucking terrible. It was a referee stoppage because Adam Cole was just beating Jericho senseless in the middle of the ring. Wow, it's an unsanctioned match. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) AEW at times does shit like this. And it raises your fucking blood pressure saying, do you understand the rules of your own fucking show? So for me, this brought this pay-per-view way down to start because I was expecting more from this match. Adam Cole seemingly could not get going because of what was going on. 
That's not even to talk about the fucking start of this match. The start of this match was Sabu and the JAS playing around on the outside of the of the ring. It looked like the start of the Anarchy and Arena match, which I won't get on my rant on yet. Wow. It, there was just a mess everywhere. And Sabu did not need to be there. The JAS did not need to be there. I did not like much in this match. So I'll let you guys talk, but that's where I'm at. Yeah, I think I was uh, actually most looking forward to seeing this match because I love Adam Cole, as you guys know, and Chris Jericho's Chris Jericho. And some of his feuds have been good lately, and he's yeah. been putting on pretty decent matches. I know they're one-offs, but he can still perform. This was one of the sloppiest matches I've ever seen, and it started right when the JAS came out. <laughs> Jeremy was like, why are they out there right now? Why are they out there? It's unsanctioned. I, and I then, forgot it was. They weren't banned, but still. Here comes fucking Adam Cole with Roddy, which is cool. And then there's Sabu dressed up in a suit. He looked like he should have been in Saudi at Night of Champions. <laughs> um, and he's jumping off top ropes, going through tables, throwing chairs at people. It was a terrible match. I'm not going to lie. How, what was the time on it? Do you have the time on this yeah, match? Yeah, the time on this match was... Tw- was 17 minutes even. All right. So I said the other one was 13 minutes too long. This one was about 15 minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sad to say. I just, I, I just, I just don't, I don't understand a lot that happened this night. I really don't. I, I think they really dropped the ball with a lot of these matches, specifically this one, considering the buildup to this match was great. Everything they did with Britt Baker was entertaining um yeah. the promo work was great roddy versus chris jericho on dynamite was good and then adam cole came out mm-hmm. they really just did not perform at all yeah. and i don't know if it's because of jericho i don't know if adam cole's still not 100 yeah. percent. i don't know which way it is but looking at it stylistically maybe jericho wasn't the guy to put with adam cole mm-hmm. maybe he's just not the guy to be able to to do what Adam Cole needs. I don't know. I just know that I was not a fan of this match and I'm always a fan of Adam Cole matches, but this to me was probably one of the worst matches I've ever seen between the both of them. It was just awkward. The whole thing was weird. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to kind of play off where like you like left off Chris. I just think that certain people just need to have specific opponents that just match the chemistry and the chemistry just wasn't there for some reason. This is one of the three matches that I was most looking forward to. And from the start of the belt, it just felt very sloppy. Um, you know, Sabu being involved in this made no sense to me. Like, why is he out there? You're 58 years old. You look like you barely walk. Throwing steel chairs left and right. The JAS being out there. I personally didn't even like Griff being out there um, attacking Jericho. I thought oh, I like that. Manu, me, Manu. I thought she'd be Manu, me, Manu, have Jericho and Cole one one on one handle their business no interference just beat the hell out of each other mix it up um there were some good spots in the match like Panorama Sunrise was cool in that match but like you guys said 2019 hell in a cell all over again it is an unsanctioned fight
But yeah, basically, this match was not it for me. Um, you know, Britt coming out there, I just felt like she didn't need to be out there. JAS, Sabu, it should have been one on one. Decent spots in the match, like the Panamera Sunrise was cool. But for the most part, it just felt like it, it didn't click. In unsanctioned fights, there are no rules. Why are we reenacting 2019 Hell in a Cell all over again? It makes no sense to me. And, you know, I don't know. This looks like a one-off to me. I hope it's a one-off because if we're seeing two more matches with this quality, I'm all set for it. Yeah, They I mean, have a mixed tag yeah, match Yeah, the mixed tag Wednesday. match is confirmed for Wednesday on Dynamite after the weird-ass Chris Jericho I do, promo I do that think- I didn't like. I do think the one thing that did make sense, Sean, was Britt Baker being out there. I agree. I think that was the one thing in the match that did make sense to me. I know mano a mano, like that's what we wanted, but it pretty much all has to do around her. Yeah. So it that made sense. So now we have the mixed tag. Uh, the next match was the tag team match for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Uh, it was 20 minutes. It was FTR versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. This match started off pretty slow and gained steam kind of throughout. I think we all mentioned like the first like five minutes of this match wasn't great. Uh, But then they started, I would say the last 10 minutes of this match was really good. And it proved FDR getting back there. I still stand by this. They have a little ways to go to, to bump off that rust, it seems that uh, happened when they went out for injury and, and were off for some time. Because they were clearly the hottest thing, the hottest tag team in wrestling. They went away, and then now they just lost a little bit. So I'm hoping uh, they come back and it's business as usual and they have a better feud now with maybe the, the other people will make them look a little bit better than Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And that's not taking anything away from them because I actually thought they did really well in this match. Some funny-ass spots as well. Karen Jarrett absolutely annihilating Aubrey Edwards with the guitar. I thought was fucking fantastic (laughs) and a great bit. And it it was entertaining. And I I think that brought the entertainment to that match too. Um, I was surprised looking back how long this match was as well. 20 minutes for this match. Um, But good. But like I said, probably the first five to seven minutes were just starting off a bit slow. Yeah, good, not great. Last week when we made our predictions, we said that we thought this would be an entertaining match. Stylistically, we thought it made sense because FTRs, you know, kind of just coming back, we can tell they're a little bit out of shape. They don't look like they're in the best shape like they were last year. So why put them in the ring with a team like the Lucha Bros or, you know, teams that are going to wrestle circles around them? So this made sense. It was an entertaining match. Jay Lethal's great. For Jeff Jarrett's age, I'll say this over and over again. The dude's in great shape, he and is. he can still wrestle. He's still entertaining as all hell. Still fucking so hate him. So I'm though. fine with it. Still hate him. <laughs> we knew FTR was not going to lose this match. Mark Briscoe is one of the most interesting guest refs I've ever seen. Um, interesting start to the... It's like he forgot he was the ref. He did. Somebody was pinning the other, and he was just standing there. He did forget. He and he's did. like, oh shit, I got a count. I'm the ref. <laughs> Dude, something else I also saw, this is the, has nothing to do with the match, was a video on Twitter that somebody took, and Dax was handing his belt to Mark Briscoe before the match to so he could like hold up the titles and be like, oh, it's for the tag titles or whatever. Yeah. So Dax hands his title to Mark Briscoe, to Briscoe and then looks at Cash and goes, give him your title. 
dude, Cash starts looking around. He's like, where's my title? And it was on his waist. And he had no idea. <laughs> Cash whispers, it's on your waist. And he was like, oh, yeah. And then took it off and handed it to Briscoe. Dude, it was the funniest. It was the funniest video I've ever seen. But I mean, it was 20 minutes is way more than I thought it would get. So I was that was one of the matches I was like happy with, obviously, the outcome and happy with the quality of the match. Agreed. Yeah, match was um, all right. It went honestly. It was probably the best match like um, between these guys I've seen in a while because Jeff Jarrett for his age can still go. And Jay Lethal, I've always been a fan of, even though I don't think he should be on Dynamite every week. Um, but he, he's he, only he, in his 30s. Yeah, he's in his 30s. Show. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, you guys didn't know that? He's in his 30s, <laughs> not 50s. Um, as far as FTRB, I do think Cash um, is in decent shape. I think Dax is the one that just hit the wall, unfortunately. Um, but that can get straightened down in no time. I just think FTR just needs to get on a momentum swing because – I don't want to see Jeff Jarrett run for any titles matches anymore. The guitar spot on Aubrey made me laugh. Yeah. It was very entertaining. That's what I can really say about the match. Okay match, good entertainment spots, and then just some nice humor at the end. The next match was another match that had really great spots, but some unfortunate ones, was the ladder match for the TNT title. Uh I think a quote I saw was, at least we know everyone's cheering for Christian's turtleneck in Las Vegas because they loved it so much. Uh, What I will say about this is I think Wardlow did some really good stuff in this match. I think Christian did some really good stuff in this match. It's unfortunate because something like when Wardlow jumps off the, the ropes trying to get onto the ladder and it breaks, those things you just can't help. Like You don't know that's going to happen. And we talked about, you know, you could have it at a better angle because uh, it looked like he was jumping from the side and he was, like, going to go sideways into it. So that may have caused the break as well. But that's a tough spot to do for a big-ass man like that. So I give him a pass. And, you know, though that shit just is freak of nature stuff. It just happens. The swanton bomb stuff off the fucking the spot off the ladder outside looked like fucking Jeff Hardy. Uh, but he was like, you know... 85 pounds heavier than Jeff Hardy Hardy on steroids. (laughs) So, you know, that was fucking fantastic and a good finish and the right win. Obviously, Wardlow is not turning in his AEW contract because he did win this match. Um, But I was pretty happy with this match all in all. I think Christian had some good spots, like I said. They both shined in areas that they needed to, and I was excited. And I didn't let that one little hiccup ruin this match for me. This was, yeah, this was a good match. I think this did a lot for the TNT Championship as well. It made people care about it being in a ladder match, especially with Christian. He just makes people care about feuds. Turtleneck Christian is just different, too. I mean, (laughs) he wore the turtleneck against Jungle Boy and got fucking buried alive, and now he's losing a Wardlow in the turtleneck. Ditch the turtleneck, Christian. I wanted you to win this match. (laughs) But no, I mean, for Wardlow to be doing the things that he does at his size is just ridiculous. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy he got the win. Um, ah, one thing that I don't like is Arn Anderson, dude, being out there. Love it. Trying to throw double A spine busters. Bite, dude, bite he's fingers. another one. Yeah, what the hell is that? Biting Luchasaurus finger off. Entertaining guys. It's good shit. And that's what that's what AEW wants the people to to think is that's what's getting ratings is Arn Anderson coming out and biting fingers. 
That's the TK furthest was thing. Every from, second of that. That's the furthest thing from ratings. I'll tell you yeah, that. Sabu I'm not going to let that. Dude, I'm not gonna let that take away from how good the match was, though. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was they were pretty much active the entire match. There was really no downtime in the match, which was good. Um, so that was great. So I just really hope going forward the TNT Championship is always defended in matches and in feuds like this that people actually care about. Wardlow should not lose that championship anytime For soon. A while. So, I mean, we'll see what they have planned for him going forward. He'll probably be on Rampage next week or the week after, not defending the title. Who knows? But just keep this man on TV. He's great. Yeah, I'm. this was the match he needed to win the most, and I'm finally glad that he actually did it for the relevancy of that title. Um, very good to see. I don't put any blame on that spot where he broke that ladder. I think those ladders looked absolutely light as hell to begin with. I don't know if you guys they noticed that. They look janky yeah. as fuck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they look like plastic ladders. Um, so I totally understand a guy that large with all that force coming down on like a little step of a ladder is going to cause that risk. So I had no issue with it. Uh, the Swanton was excellent. Uh, you don't see many big guys doing that. And I love Warlow. I know people, the criticism is, well, he's very vanilla on the mic. I get that. But as a wrestler, I think he's fantastic. He's For a big guy, he's very athletic. He can do high-flying maneuvers. And him and Christian, uh, like you said, Chris, very active throughout the whole entire match. Yeah, the only blunder was literally Arn Anderson. Why the <laughs> fuck are you out there? Look like Kevin Look like Kevin Nash out there. <laughs> that was some good shit, Arn Anderson. Uh, the next match was unfortunate. And what... I predicted, unfortunately, what happened did happen. Uh, Jamie Hayter is hurt, folks. They would not strip. Uh, they would not take the title off her. I don't think yet. With Wembley coming up, without her having a legitimate injury, and I think this is a very unfortunate circumstance that she is not healed from this injury, and I think she's going to be out for a little bit of time. Maybe she comes back at Wembley, and that's like, you know, the the big thing. I hope it's nothing more serious than that that she can't rehab a couple months. It's a shoulder. I don't know how bad it is, so. It's bad enough that they're taking the title off her. Let's just say that. And I don't think when they had Thunder Rosa go out, they didn't know how long she was going to be out. And they did interim and every woman in the back was fucking hating it. So I think with this injury, I think they just said, listen, we're taking the title off you. You're hurt. See us when you come back. I think that's what they did with this. It was a three minute match. I think it was the only thing that hater could do besides go out there and just relinquish the title. So you know, nothing really else to say. Tony won the match, wins the title. Um, un- unfortunate, really unfortunate. I think we're all big Jamie Hayter fans here. At least I'm a huge Jamie Hayter fan. Uh, so I think this is a, t- a tough blow for her. Yeah, this match was going to go one of two ways, and it was really going to tell us a lot. It told us everything that we needed. Yeah, It was three minutes, like you said. Clearly, she's obviously too injured to be carrying around that championship weekly and defending it. So it's the right move right now, putting that championship back on Tony Storm. And I was pretty disappointed that the outcast did not turn on her. I think Tony Storm needs to be a face. Mm. Um, even though we just did have a face champion. Yeah. I think Tony Storm is better as a face. I would love to see her go into Wembley, maybe against Soraya, even though Soraya maybe isn't as good as she used to be. I wouldn't mind seeing that for, for the championship. Um, but we'll see going forward. I'm happy Tony's champ again. I've always been a huge Tony, uh, Tony fan, but it is unfortunate because Jamie Hayter is 
probably the best woman they have going in AEW. So it is unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the one thing I will say that I did enjoy about this, even though the match was very short given the circumstances, I like how they opened the match off with having the outcast attack Jamie. Yep. Because mm-hmm. normally in those spots, you figure it's an underdog story. Jamie's going to walk out of there and get through the adversity and go over on That's Tony, true. which made it very yeah. like 50-50 type booking. But unfortunately, knowing that the outcome was only three minutes, clearly the girl is banged up. And it's very unfortunate because I also love Jamie. She's probably the best wrestler on that roster. And with Wembley coming up in her hometown, that is an absolutely devastating spot to be in. Um, but yeah, we'll see her back very soon, hopefully, once she gets back. I don't know how bad the injury is and how long like the surgery, if she needs surgery. When's Wembley? It's in August. Yeah. So, I mean... To me, if she needed surgery, I don't know if she would have even went out there, to be honest. Depending how bad it is, she could rehab over the next three months. So there's three months till Wembley. If she rehabs, she'll probably be back by then. But obviously, yeah, it, if she needs surgery, we I mean, she's not going to be back. I don't think. It's tough because I remember when Bobby Lashley had that shoulder injury. He refused surgery and came back in time. But then yeah. again... Bobby Lashley's a real. He breed. never he never took time off. He wrestled every week, which is insane. I did not think he would be able to do that. But right. get well soon. Get well soon, Jamie and um, Tony. Hopefully, she'll be a baby face. I will say this: when Tony f- fucking put her ass in Jamie Hader's face, oh talk about God. whiplash. Yeah, that was a, talk that about was a whiplash. I thought that was concussion protocol walking all over. (laughs) Not only was she hurt in her shoulder, but I'm pretty sure she may have had a concussion from that accident. (laughs) That was a brutal one, too. That yeah, good point. Uh, I wish I I wish I was in that spot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next match was the open house rules match, and the challengers uh, ended up being the acclaimed. Uh, with Daddy S, and I thought that was a perfect way to get them on the card. Uh, we can all we can talk about this as soon as possible. Obviously, uh, part of the Max Caster rap was <laughs> two funny ones. I'll say the least funnier one first was he was comparing Brody King to someone on Ru- RuPaul's <laughs> Drag Race, and then he had the audacity to say Buddy Matthews is getting cocked by a kid called Dominic. And that was just pure genius. I, I'm sorry. I don't care what is going on, but the acclaimed, and, and Caster specifically, uh, he is just very entertaining and does not have many limits, which I really appreciate. And this was just fucking hilarious. Buddy Matthews was just stone cold straight face. What I thought was funny about the Brody King one was he was started laughing when it happened. He broke. He, he broke, broke character and started laughing. That's what they came around. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so funny. Um, but this match was 15 minutes and 30 seconds, and it actually was a pretty damn good match that wasn't announced beforehand, which I really like that they added to the card because the House of Black not being on the card is a fucking mistake if you're the trio's champion. So this match was added. The right winners, House of Black still reigns supreme. It'll be interesting because it's interesting to see if what other trios are out there for them. But I thought this was a good enough match, and the guys in this match did really well for themselves. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Bowens, I think he's a freak athlete. I think he's great. 
I think Max Caster is the total package on the mic and the ring. Daddy ass gets bigger every week. The dude's <laughs> juicing for days. And it does make sense that he took the pin. I, you know, yeah. Alistair, I mean, Alistair, Malachi hits him with the black mass, which once this we saw him fantastic. get into the ring, all four of us watching were like, oh, hit the black mass. Come on, hit the black mass. And he it's did and flush on uh, oh, Daddy Ass's jaw and one, two, three, House of Black retains. Like you said, I'm interested to see who another trio is. I think it would make sense for eventually the best friends mm. to go up against the House of Black if Orange Cassidy ever loses the international yeah. chant or yep. whenever that is. Um, I think they'd be a credible trio yep. to face the House of Black. That'd be entertaining um, because it's two different groups, too. It's like a funny group and then it's a serious group. Yeah. So what promo work do they do? I think that would be awesome. So that's what I hope going forward. But it was a good match. Very good match. Yeah, from the wraps to the in-ring ability, absolute entertainment, some good stuff in that ring. I knew when uh, that match was announced and Daddy Asses and then like, that man is 1,000% eating that pinball. <laughs> As they should protect Bowens and Caster, two great athletes, and then we know what the House of Black are. Not much else to add on that. The next two matches uh, were both, shockingly, for the TBS Championship. So we had an 8-minute and 45 rematch. For Ty Valkyrie challenging Jade Cargill. Uh, very similar to their first match. Not terrible. Not great. Uh, I think their first match may have been a little bit better. But uh, Jade ends up hitting Jaded and ends up winning this match. The big thing about this was uh, Sterling came in and started talking shit about how Jade will defend this title. She's 60-0. and 0, She'll defend it anywhere, anytime. And then you hear some music, and it is Chris Statlander uh, coming back and coming down to the ring. When we came down, she came down to the ring, uh, we thought this was just going to be a stare-off and just her attacking Jade or something. It was a fucking match immediately. Apparently, they just <laughs> like, all right, let's 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 have the match. So Jade Cargo hit 60-0, and this match was 48 seconds. Statlander gets offense. Jade gets uh, a terrible kick and then tries to go for Jaded. And then Statlander reverses and hits her finishers. And Statlander rolls up and wins the match. Uh, I'm fine with Statlander winning. Listen, if if she is ready to come back and is ready to be pushed, this also puts her in a big opportunity for winning and pushing her forward for beating someone that's 60-0. And I think that was their goal was... If we're going to have her come back and we really like her, let's have her beat Jade and see how hard we can push her to make her look very credible. So even though Jade, in my opinion, is not a, a very credible champion to begin with, 60 wins that are all five-minute matches, you know, they're built. They're trying to build her up in this big thing. I just have never seen it from her. So if with Statlander winning, I thought it was fine. Um, but I think that's what they were going for was pushing her as hard as you can right when she comes back instead of just having her come back and just, you know, be in some regular feud. Yeah, that was, um, Jade versus Taya was exactly how I thought it would go. Yep. Jade retaining. I didn't see, uh, Taya winning the rematch at all. Uh, I just don't think it made any sense at all, uh, to have her go over the second time. Their first match was definitely better. 
I wasn't expecting Jade to lose the championship this night, though, to a returning Chris Statlander. I think she's very credible. I think she looks very strong right now. She does. She she was in fantastic shape as well. Yep. And yep. to me, I would prefer a build-up feud with some promo work to see Jade lose the championship to somebody. But this does make sense to me, seeing as last week on the pod I said, it's just going to be somebody coming out facing her for the first time and winning. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. Look how strong that made Statlander look. And I think that's what they were going for. They want to build that next woman who's going to be strong. And that's exactly what they did. And personally, I don't think this really takes much away from Jade for them because she had just wrestled a match prior to that. Yep. So she's still going to come out strong too. I mean, she'll probably come out on Dynamite and be like, you took advantage of me already having a match. I'm not the one that said I would defend the title at any time. He said that, not me. Yep. You know, something along those lines. So both girls still look strong, and they got the title off Jade. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, and that's exactly how I think that Jade's going to get a rematch. He's going to play off the angle. Well, you beat me while I was already exhausted after a match, and that's how they're going to do it. And that's a good book of how to do it. The match was okay. It was pretty much an exact replica of their first one. Decent, not good, not bad. Um, but Ty winning the belt to me just didn't make any sense because I actually predicted that Statlander was going to be the one to beat her. I did not think it was going to be the same night. <laughs> no. That was You said that night. Dude, Sean, you said that night that Statlander should be the one. And yeah. then she came out like five minutes later. I'm still shocked <laughs> yeah. it was a match because I literally thought she was just going to return and, you know, do the face to face. Exactly, and then build that later yeah. for a match. I think as far as Statlander's potential next opponents, I'm thinking maybe some of the outcast members like Soraya or Ruby Soho could give her some like good victories down the line. Um, but yeah, as far as Jade, you know, it didn't do too much damage to her. Jade is really, at this point, I mean, I've seen a lot of matches with her. Her matches are very short. These two matches with Ty are probably her longest matches. Yeah. I mean, I have to look that up. They like, are. Based doing the Doing the eye test on TV, it looks like they have been the longest ones. And to me, Jade is is that's all she can really do at this point. Maybe she can get more out of her if you get like a top tier athlete, but you don't really see much. Or it's kind of like the Brock Lesnar effect at this stage of um, his career. Like with Jade, it's like you know you expect more, but this is what you're gonna get. Yep. Taya is a decent, like she's okay, but I'm not too big a fan of her. So and the build didn't really do much for me, but. We'll see how it ends up going down the line. So I think we are in tune for a rematch with those two. Yeah. And then your double main event, as they were calling it, they were taking it from WWE's point of view as two main events. Stop fucking doing that, both of you. Stop saying there's more, <laughs> one, more than one main event. Unless you're on two nights, there is one main event. There is not two. There is not three WWE like there was for Night of Champions. There is one. <laughs> And this was a fucking mistake, putting the Four Pillars match as your second-to-last match because it was the best match on the card. It is astonishing that you have MJF coming out for a contract in 2024. He is your world champion, and you do not put him last on the card. He went in that fucking presser and said, it is dead having your world title in the main event. Fuck you. You were probably told to say that because that is not true at all. He 1000% was Absolutely told to say that. Absolutely not because you are 
everything that you have said up until this point is against what you just said at that presser. Yep. He is ab- absolutely wrong in saying that, and he knows in his mind he was forced to say that. The main event was the Four Pillars match. I don't give a fuck what story was going on with the BCC and the Elite. That was, I'll get into it in a second, not the main event and not worthy of the main event. And it showed in the results of the match and how good the match was. This match was just as I thought it would be. Fucking great in terms of the in-ring ability. It showed off every single person to a T of how good they could be. Also proves once again, and we did this, I think we talked about this last week, Sammy Guevara was by far the best wrestler in this match. And bright future ahead, and if he can continue to work on his character, man, he is going to have a full package together. MJF looked great in every single part of this match, the way he sold things, the way he maneuvered himself in this match. Everyone had time to shine, but when it came down to it, he was clearly the winner and outsmarted the rest because he put that title when Darby was going for that coffin drop on Jungle Boy, put sneaks the AEW world title on top of Jungle Boy brilliantly, and then ends up small packaging Darby for the fucking win. It it is it was booked absolutely perfectly for a main event spot. And whether they call it the double main event, they can absolutely fuck off. That was the main event of the show. That is my piece. I'll let you guys talk. But I just thought that this match highlighted everyone extremely well, exactly what I thought it would be. And the official time was 27.50 for the match. Yep, this, was, uh, this was by far the best match on the card, not even close. This was the first match that the crowd actually got into as well, <laughs> considering we're three hours in at this Very point. Very true. It's about time they get off their feet. And mm-hmm. the Triple B as MJF always says, is the best championship in all of wrestling right now. Mm -hmm. So how is that not going on last? That makes no sense. All they've been talking about since AEW started is the four pillars. So how are you not going to have that go on last? It just makes no sense to me. And the match was great. Like Jeremy said, each person in this match had their spot. My favorite spot was when each of them hit the finisher of their mentor. That was so great. That was sick. That's something that you don't see. Great book. All four. That's yeah, it's just perfect. And all four of these guys are so young. They're all so good. Like you said, Sammy, I think shined the brightest in this match as far as in ring, but it always comes down to MJF outsmarting everybody else. And he does that better than anybody else in the world, which is exactly what he did on this night to retain the AEW championship. And you know, shortly after what he said in the press conference about it's dead or whatever, Fucking he mentioned sp- WWE. He did. <laughs> he and Tony Khan did not look very pleased about that one. But MJF's like, I'm bored of the fans. When I take my ball and go home, I really mean go home. Some of that is character. And I think some of, some that of it is, is character. His frustration yep. with yep. the fact that he couldn't say what was really on his mind at that point. I that was one agree. part that I've I don't think I've ever seen him censored like that. And he was absolutely censored and told to say what he was told to say. Completely agree. As well, even though I co-sign on what you guys say about MGF, like, let's start with the presser. In a way though, we also have to be consistent as far as like, all right, 
we have to give TK some credit because we talk about how much of a dweeb he is and how he doesn't take control. This was this one actually instant where he actually had a set of balls by actually going up to your superstar in the face of the company. You, people can say Kenny as well. So at least top two in the company right now by saying, no, I, I'm going to censor you. I'm going to limit what you're going to say to an extent because MJF is a loose cannon. <laughs> I love him for it. I love, I personally love him for it, but from a company standpoint, I get there's restrictions you have to follow because everyone in the company is going to look at, well, MJF said it. So you have to put that thin line in the sand where like you have so much you can say. So I get that part. Um, MJF clearly lied. <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> this match 1000% should have been the main event. This was spectacular. One of the best matches I've seen in probably the last maybe year. In totality, as far as like, you know, at least a trio match or more, Fatal 4-Way. Um, all the spots were perfectly. My favorite spot of the night was when they had all four of them involved on like that suplex powerbomb type spot mm, in yeah. the ring. And then they landed on top of MJL. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dart. Yep. Uh, Darby taking more bumps as usual. That man is a tough bastard. Let's talk about that. Um, Jungle Boy did some good move sets in there. And then Sammy just... Sammy Guevara, he's the the kid's that kid's the real deal. He has very few flaws in him, and what he does in that ring, he's an absolutely acrobatic, gymnastic wrestler. Whatever adjective you want to place on him, he can do it all. And you know, you need a guy like that that can because even though everyone's shining in that match, if you ever potentially down the line have like a guy that can't wrestle, Sammy Guevara is the type of wrestler that can save your match because he can carry it because of how good That's he absolutely is. Absolutely true. So. This match should have been main event. I am still blasphemous over the fact it wasn't, but well done from these guys. This was an absolute five-star banger. And as we move, we will talk about the main event. The main event they decided to put last on the show. Just before we say that, when you're a kid, you do not say, oh, I want to be in a second-to-last match at WrestleMania. I can't wait for that shit. You say you want to be in the main event. This is not WrestleMania, but this is your main pay-per-view. You do not want to be second to last. Let's be very fucking clear. You want to be in the main event, main event, a.k.a. the last match on the card. The one that everyone looks forward to the most. Fighting for a championship. Yes. And this, this match. Fuck. This match was the main event, was anarchy in the arena, and the music was fucking playing for 12 minutes of this fucking match. <laughs> They should be fucking ashamed of the production that was the first 15 minutes of this match. Wow, thanks. You had, and don't get me wrong, maybe people love the complete chaos angle and that it plays into the match, anarchy, and it's crazy. I do not want to have to work so hard to not see moves, to see seven different things going on at once, and then you have to have replays of something you could have just saw live right in fucking front of you. What in the fuck are you doing for the first 15 <laughs> minutes of this match? You had people going off here. You had you had people going, Young Bucks trying to super kick people. As soon as they fucking try and make contact, you split to another fucking camera cut. And you go to another move. You have Claudio throwing guys in a fucking truck. As soon as they land, you cut to someone else. Figure it the fuck out and drop this match. It is dog shit. The last... Sure. So this match was like 27 minutes long. 27 even. The last... The last 15 minutes 
was very good once they stopped playing the fucking music and they were all close to the ring. Besides that, this match was fucking terrible. I These have great people in this match. And maybe what they were doing was cool and awesome. They were doing cool moves. I didn't see half of them because of the camera cuts. So I do not like this match. I hope they never fucking bring it back again. Stop playing your music for 20 minutes in the match. 15, however fucking long it was. It distracts everyone from already the distractions that are going on. It's terrible. I don't know how much, how many production notes they're going to have from this, but it better be a fucking lot from me. The match itself, once it got to the ring, was very good. And a very good ending. Still, I will stand by this. It is not even close to worthy of the main event spot. This should have been an opening match, a middle-of-the-card match. If you want to put it second to last, fine. It should have been middle-of-the-card or first match because the main event should have been the four pillars. I'll stop now before I have a fucking heart attack from this high blood pressure I have. Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Fuck your shit, Jeremy. God. This, um... We've watched quite a few AEW pay-per-views together now. We're probably going on two years of watching AEW pay-per-views and spending the money on them. And even going before that, I've seen the match cards. I've seen the pay-per-views. I think this was the worst main event in AEW history on a pay-per-view. It may have been. I, I really do. They're like... Especially watching it on TV. Maybe in person it's different. We paid for you it. You know, even even <laughs> right. Even though even though there's a lot going on, maybe in person you can really follow where each group is. But like Jeremy said, the camera cuts were ridiculous. Terrible. We we were seeing Kenny Omega and John Moxley fight on a fucking poker chip on the outside where there's barbed wire. <laughs> one of them lifts the other one up to go onto the barbed wire. Guess what? Boom, back to something else ringside. And then boom, yeah. then we have to see the replay of what just happened on the barbed wire. <laughs> like that, I, I cannot stand it. Hey, and and at that point, I was just so taken out of the match that honestly, I don't remember what happened inside the ring after all that bullshit that happened on the outside. I remember the super kick with the flame going off or whatever it was, the explosion yeah. on John Moxley's the head. I remember on, that. Uh, on the tax on the Matt foot Jackson's was cool. Foot. There. Like, Takeshka I was coming so... out at the end with Don Callis was very cool and ended right. you know, great. I just I I don't remember much from that match just because I I didn't give a shit about it. I remember so much more from the Four Pillars match than I do Anarchy in the arena. And I think they that they just need to get rid of that match as a whole because there's just so much going on. And on TV production wise, how do you keep up with everything that's happening? You lose sight of what's going on with. Half the time, I didn't know what Brian Danielson was doing. I, I feel like I never saw him on the. You screen. never saw him until he came back to the ring, and it was like, oh my god! Exactly. I remember saying can we, that. Can to you we guys. talk? Yeah. Can we talk about why they gave fucking Yuta so much camera yeah. time? I I just I I just don't understand it. I I I understand the outcome of the match because of the um Don Callis being out there. So that makes sense why uh, the BCC went over. I picked the elite for the match. At that point, I didn't give a shit who actually won the match. It shouldn't have been the it shouldn't have been the main event. It should have been to me halfway through the card, maybe the fourth or fifth match. Um, just raise hell and yeah. then move on from it. So and it's they a niche strictly, market, right? 
niche niche people like people who love death matches and shit love this type of stuff. Even if you love a death match, there's a difference between a death match and the shit that they were doing in this match. And also, yeah. I think part of this is because the same thing happens every week on television. Like the BCC yep. does the same shit yeah. every week. You get bloody, yep. you get fucking weird, you use weapons. I don't know. I really felt like I really felt like I was just watching another episode of Dynamite because it was just a brawl. And that's was, all it was. It was, it was just match, yeah. it it was just another brawl. Yep. And that's all we ever get with with these two teams when they get together. And they have so such good wrestlers. I, they can do so much more than that. Like you blood and guts have that as a match. I I don't know. Just get rid of this match as a whole. It's There's terrible. just too much going on. It's too hard to follow. Stop it's a dumbass idea. Music. Stop playing the music. I was so happy when they fucking super kicked the singer yeah. for that for that song. I yeah. was so happy. I mean, I'm I'm with you, Jeremy. I I don't like it at all. <laughs> you know, this was a big difference between AEW and WWE as far as like their mindsets. This was an abomination. This was a train wreck from the start with the fucking music playing the concert. That made no sense. That to me was the first thing that where I'm and just what like, the fuck right, was he wearing? That, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what on earth is going on here? And then we get into the camera angles. One, I mean, seven out of, I didn't imagine my wildest dreams that seven out of the eight guys who I actually like in that ring who are very talented, seven out of the eight can put on an absolute dog shit disaster <laughs> of a performance. Now, I don't blame them necessarily in that. I blame the production. I blame Tony Khan for orchestrating this freak show. The production was terrible. But my God. We have one instant. We see, all right, the flame in, um, the fire flame in the air. Then we see Claudio backstage throwing one of the Jackson brothers onto the back of the truck. And then we see Kenny, which Kenny got barely any camera yep. time. I don't even know where Kenny was half the time. And same thing with Brian Danielson. We're gone. <laughs> so the first like 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, all right, this is an absolute disaster. The cameras kept going. And you know, I had a headache. I felt dizzy, brother. Yeah. During this whole <laughs> it, it reminded of me of what match. they were fucking doing in WWE in some of their matches with too many fucking camera cuts. But way worse. Yeah. yeah. And I hate shit like that. If you're going to do that, have this be the opening match. Do your pre-show match, have this kick off the actual main card, or if you want to do it halfway in and just have a 30-minute absolutely chaotic type match, do that. But this was an absolute abomination. You know, Takeshita at the end of it, cool, makes sense, but as much as a talent that Takeshita is, he is not worthy of that ending of a main event card like that. I'm sorry, he's just not. In answer to your question, Chris, um, thinking of it, I would say this and probably the Mimosa match are the two worst matches for the main events in AEW history. I think so. Whichever you want to do, one A and one B, those two right there come to mind. This was hard. You know what'll potentially come out of this will be potentially Kota Ibushi joining Kenny Omega. Yeah. They had the Golden Lovers team in New Japan. This could potentially lead him to teaming up with them as well and taking down the BCC. I see that potentially happening as a storyline. But holy fuck, was this a mess. Uh, and a really disappointing end to a pay-per-view. Like the end, like I said, the ending closing like 10 minutes was fine. And they had some really good spots in the ring. Everything else before really, and I like like Chris, I think just shut me off to thinking this could be even close to a good match. Which is absurd to say with guys like Omega, Moxley, Danielson, Young Bucks, Claudio. In Hangman. this match, Hangman, <laughs> in this match, 
Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, we'll name all of them, but Wheeler Yuta is probably the worst amongst <laughs> the rest of these people. Wow. To have them say they had to really fuck up, they really did, uh, which is very disappointing. This is the, and this is the disadvantage when you have these large factions that just grow and grow and grow because these are the more times where TK has to force himself where it's like, you know what, I got to make more chaotic bullshit type matches because there's too many guys in the ring at once. And when you have guys... On the outskirts, people inside the arena, outside the arena, across the street, near the lake, <laughs> like <laughs> everywhere possible. It's like, what more can you do? It's like they keep growing these factions and then it just gets to a point where it's like, man, I can't keep up. There's too many guys in the ring. There's only so much you can fit in a ring at one time. I, that's why I fucking hate Battle Royals because there's too many guys jammed in at once. And it just becomes a, a scene that just doesn't make sense. And it just gets out of hand very quickly. I just want it to make sense for me. And this match just didn't make it make sense for me. So, yep. unfortunate end to the pay-per-view. But the, like like we said, there were good spots on this pay-per-view. But I think we, we all said like a 6.5 to 7 out of 10 for this pay-per-view. Um, we'll see where it leads. You know, we have Forbidden Door. That'll be the next thing for AEW. So, you know, yep. thank you for tuning in to this uh, double feature episode for our reviews. Uh, the AEW one got a little bit more heated than I would have liked, but uh, that's what happens when you produce dog shit in your main event. Uh, so we're back next week. We'll have uh, episodes back to our twice a week, but we really appreciate you. Enjoy wrestling for this week, and uh, you know, stay good. Go Celtics game seven tonight. What a comeback! We're uh, on to the next we'll one. See Making you. history. Take it easy. Let's go. Thank you all for tuning in. <laughs>